All right, welcome to another episode of Bible Questions and Answers, the BQA, and our topic for today is religion and politics. And of course, when we talk about religion and politics, it always, for some reason, ends up with an, into an argument, right? This is because religion, politics, this is very personal. And when you talk about personal things in a social setting, it doesn't always end well. So we need to kind of avoid uh, arguments and things of that nature when we discuss religion and politics. But our topic today uh, concerns questions relating to religion and politics and the combining of the two. And so this, these are the set of questions. We're going to have four questions we're going to answer today. Uh, number one is, good day, Paul. My question is regarding politics. What does the Bible say about God's people or religion getting involved in politics or the government? Number two, is it okay for the people of God to join the government or politics? Number three, recently the leader of the church, not going to mention what church that is, allowed a church member to join or to run as a candidate. Uh, what does the Bible say about it? Well, I only knew that before, before it was being taught to us about Babylon, who committed adultery with the kings of the earth in Revelation 17, but now it was not being taught. Oh, so we're going to look uh, briefly into Revelation chapter verse 17. And question number four, I have a question for Kaja. Nowadays, election or politics is a very hot topic. And really, it is a very hot topic, especially in the Philippines. And we see people engaging in arguments in defense of their preferred candidates. Uh, we know, Paul, that we have our freedom to choose deserving candidates, but up to what extent should we express our freedom? What are the biblical guidelines that we need to follow and to be mindful of endorsing such candidate? Uh, because I also believe that just like some religious leaders, these government leaders can also lead us to idolatry if we will not be mindful of ourselves. So these are the questions lined up that we're going to answer uh, today, let's go to number one. My question is regarding politics. What does the Bible say about God's people or religion getting involved in politics or the government? Well, we need to first define what politics uh, is, right? What's the, de the definition of politics? According to Merriam-Webster, activities that relate to influencing the actions and policies of a government or getting uh, and keeping power in a government. So the question is, should God's people uh, be involved in politics? Politics, according to this definition, are activities that relate to influencing the actions or policies of a government. So beginning with this definition and looking back in the first years of Christianity, way back in the first century, how were they influencing government and policies? And so let's look in the book of Mark, chapter 12, 13, 14. Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. And they had, when they had come, they said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard a person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And so here we have people asking a question uh, to Yahusha with the intent of trying to catch him, make a mistake, right? And so the question is, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And so this is a question relating to politics. 
If you can look, you can look at in those terms, what is the answer of our King Yahusha? 15 to 17, shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. So they brought it and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Yahusha answered and said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So when Yahusha was asked, should we pay taxes to Caesar? What was his response? He said, look at, look at the coin. Whose image is on the coin? It's the image of Caesar. And Yahusha says, render to Caesar the, the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God. In other words, what Yahushua is teaching his disciples, including those who try to trap him with that question, simply this, to submit to the government that is placed during that time. See, render to Caesar, unto Caesar, but render to God the things that are God. In other words, we should submit to the policies, to the laws of the government that has been placed, and at the same time, making sure that we first and foremost submit to the things of God. So submit to the government when it's not in violation with the will of Yahuwah Abba. Well, how about the apostles? What did they also teach about government? Because Yahusha tells us that we should submit to government, right? How about the apostle Paul? Romans 13, 1 to 2, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. And therefore, whoever resists the authority uh, resists the ordinances of God. Those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. And so according to Apostle Paul, we should be subject to governing authorities. And he even explains the reason why. The Bible says all, all, all authorities that exist, the governments, right? They are appointed by who? Yahuwah God. How are they appointed by Yahuwah God? Yahuwah in his sovereignty permits them to be installed in authority. And so in this sense, Yahuwah has appointed them because Yahuwah permitted that they be installed as authority figures. The Bible says we need to subject ourselves to these governing authorities. And what does that mean? Because if there's a government that has been installed and they are enacting their policies, what should be our responsibility in terms of submitting to the government authorities? Romans 13, 5 to 7. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. So according to Apostle Paul, one way that we submit to the governing authorities is by fulfilling our responsibilities that they have set forth. What is an example? An example is paying taxes. This is why Yahushua and the apostles, they paid their taxes. In other words, they subjected themselves to the government. And how about the apostle Peter? What also did he teach about governing authorities? 
Let's read 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. For the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the kings as head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. And so the apostle Paul tells us to um, submit to government officials. Apostle Peter tells us to respect all human authority, the heads of state, and the officials that they have appointed. So in terms of the uh, government structure here in the United States, you have the president, right? You have the governors, you have the mayor, the senators, and so all of these other officials we ought to respect. And so the scriptures tells us quite explicitly, we submit to governing authorities, right? Number, uh, number one. Number two, we respect all human authority. And there's a reason behind that. Remember, Apostle Paul said that Yahuwah is the one who appointed these government officials. And Daniel also speaks of this uh, truth. In Daniel chapter 2.21, he controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars here, Daniel tells us that Yahuwah is, in so is sovereign, right? He is in control, really, of world events. This is why history is often called his story, right? Yahuwah's story. It's like Yahuwah's telling a story. He's controlling events. This is why the Bible tells us that if there's a government in an existing country, Yahuwah permits that. If Yahuwah does not permit that, it would not be the case. Yahuwah also permits wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the scholars. This is why we believe advances in medicine, advances in technology, like the vaccine, right, is a blessing from Yahuwah. Yahuwah permits us to discover things that is for our welfare and benefit. It is a gift. Medicine is a gift from Yahuwah to us. Knowledge from the scholars is a gift of Yahuwah to us. And also appointed leaders can also be a gift of Yahuwah to us. And so we need to place our trust in Yahuwah first and foremost, because in Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of Yahuwah. Like the rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. And so when we look at these biblical scriptures, we need to understand that governments have been placed by Yahuwah. And so in as far as the people of God are concerned, and their ability to practice politics and be involved in politics, in the first century, it was restricted to number one, submit authority to the government. Number two, respect the authority of the government. And number three, according to Timothy 2, 1 to 2, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And so during the first century, um, during the, the time of the apostles, the people who followed Yahuwah and Yahusha understood the dynamic between government and Yahuwah's will, because Yahuwah ultimately controls the heart of all kings and leaders. 
they ultimately place their trust in Yahuwah. Having that in their mind, what are they instructed to do as a way to influence government, as a way to participate, quote unquote, in politics? It is by what? By prayer. That's why Apostle Paul said, pray all kinds of prayers and intercession for kings and all those in authority. And so when we look at the first century, during the first century, the people of God were involved in politics by, number one, submitting to their authority. They were good citizens. Number two, they respected those in authority. They did not speak evil against them. And number three, they prayed for those in authority. Now, of course, our time today is very different from the time of the first century, because back then, most countries were uh, a form of dictatorship or monarchy. But during our time, more and more countries are becoming republic, right? What is a republic country? A republic is a form of government in which supreme power is held by the people and their elected representatives and republics. The country is considered a public matter, not the private concern or property of the rulers. In other words, nowadays, most countries give the citizens a responsibility concerning the development of policies and laws and legislation, right? And so we do this through the power of the vote. And so because of the rise of the Republic, we now have another opportunity and another layer of influence when it comes to participation in politics. Whereas before this was not exist existing, now we have been given a vote, right? And the Apostle Peter tells us, and the Apostle Paul as well, that we submit to the government and their authority. And part of being uh, submissive to the government is not only by paying taxes today, but also by being responsible in terms of casting our vote. Because when we vote, we are expressing our opinion about certain policies, about certain candidates. And so we have the power to vote. And in so doing, we can participate in a different way which did not exist during the days of the apostles to influence and uh, actions and policies in government. Now, because we have been given the responsibility to vote for policies, to vote for legislation, to vote for candidates, what must we keep in mind? The book of Corinthians 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Bible says, whatever you do, you do it for God's glory. You see, when it comes to giving glory to God, we should not do that only when we are assembled for worship. We do that in every part of our life. And so when we look at our involvement in the world, we go to school, we go to work, we live in a community. We live in a state, we live in a country, we live in this world, right? And so when we participate in the different activities of our community, we must keep in mind the glory of God. So the Bible says we do it for the glory of our God. And how can we give God glory when it comes to participating in casting a vote or voting for a candidate? Let's read the book of Matthew 5, 13 and 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? 
it is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. How can we give glory to God even when it comes to giving our vote, when it comes to practicing, quote-unquote, politics? Bible says we have to be salt of the earth and lights of the world by our good works. And part of the good works that we should show are good words, right? Good works and good words. And so if we are salt of the earth and light of the world, our speech ought to be seasoned with salt. Our speech ought to produce light. This is why, because we live during a time where we are able to participate and also express our personal opinion. We have what is called freedom of speech. That is a blessing. And at the same time, we have to understand it's also a great responsibility. Because when we post something on Facebook, when we post something on social media, remember, we ought to be salt and light. We are representing Yahusha. We are representing Yahuwah. And so we need to express good works and good speech in influencing the world. This is why it's good, for example, to express our faith when it comes to choosing a policy. For example, if there are policies which are against the will of God, what must we do? We should not vote for that policy, right? What are we for? What do we stand for? We stand for that which promotes the ideal set by Yahuwah Alahim. And so when it comes to voting for a policy, voting for a candidate, what should we consider at all times? Matthew 22, 36 to 40, teacher, which is the greatest command in the law. Yahusha said to him, you shall love Yahuwah your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So our King Yahusha tells us the two greatest commands, to love Yahuwah and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So when we vote for a candidate, when we vote for a policy, we need to ask ourselves, um, does this promote honoring Yahuwah? And so if a candidate is going to endorse abortion or is going to endorse gay marriage, right? Maybe we should not be endorsing that candidate or a policy involving uh, those two things. And so we need to be aware of the commandments of Yahuwah, because if we want to please Yahuwah, even when it comes to voting, we need to know and implement the teachings of Yahuwah. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is in accord with the commandments of Yahuwah? Number two, will this be for the benefit of my fellow human being, right? And so if it's oppressive, then why are we going to vote for that? It should be a blessing. It should be a help for our fellow human beings. Now, of course, when it comes to interpreting what is good for a fellow human being, there's always going to be gray areas. Politics is not black and white. 
It's very gray. When it comes to gray areas, there's always room for your own interpretation and the other person's interpretation, right? And this is why religion as a whole should not, you know, we should not participate in politics as a religious body, but as individuals. And so when we say we vote for certain things and we express our opinions in certain things, it should be done in a personal level, not as a body or as an organization, because there are many gray areas when it comes to interpreting what is good for the, the country, what is good for my neighbor, what may be good for you may not be good for this person. And there's no clear word of God concerning what really is beneficial for a state or for a nation or for a country or for a community. And so we need to keep that in mind. Having said that, we as citizens of a country, as we know, we have the responsibility, uh, even though this world is not our true home, right? We have our responsibility to be good citizens and to submit to government authorities. And even when the people of God were sent to Babylon, do you know what Yahuwah told them to do in Babylon? In the book of Jeremiah 29, 4-7, this is what Yahuwah of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, uh, says to all the captives. He has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Look what he says. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children and find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and, the work for the, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to Yahuwah for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. And so whether, it doesn't matter where we live. You can live in the Far East, in the Philippines, somewhere in Europe, maybe in Africa, maybe here in the United States, wherever we are, it's our responsibility that we work for the peace and prosperity of the city, the place where we live, and at the same time praying for their welfare, because their welfare will also determine our welfare. And so we ought to be good citizens. That's the best way really to practice politics as people of God, we practice politics in terms of influencing politics by being good citizens, submitting to government authorities that, that does not violate the will of God. We respect human authorities. Um, we pray for, for these government leaders, and we do our best to use the words and teachings of God to vote for that which would benefit the, the citizens of the place where we live in, okay? So that's number one. Let's go to question number two. Is it okay for the people of God to join government or politics? That's a difficult question to answer because when we look at scriptures, right? Uh, Daniel chapter two, 48 to 49, we know that there were people of God who held offices, for example, then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel rule over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. And so according to scriptures, there, there were notable people of God, like Daniel. Remember Daniel? He was beloved of God. 
And so he was beloved of God and Yahuwah permitted, Yahuwah's will was that he would be appointed a high position. He was working together with the king, the king of Babylon. Then that's the kingdom that basically held captive the people of God, right? And so he held a government position. And so not only did Daniel hold the government position, he used his influence as a high-ranking government official to appoint his friends, Shadak, Meshach, and Abednego, to also have a government position. And so that's Daniel, who also had a government position. He got 1-1 in the second year of King Darius on the first day of the sixth month. The word of Yahuwah uh, came to the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shelkel, governor of Judah. So we have Zerubbabel during, King Dar during the, the days of King Darius, who was governor of Judah. And during the reign of King Artaxerxes, who was governor of Judah, it was Nehemiah. For the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the reign of King Arthaxerxes. So we have Daniel, Daniel's three friends. We have Zerubbabel. We have um, uh, Nehemiah and so many others which serve as examples that people of God held government positions. So there is no biblical basis for prohibiting a servant of God from, run, from running for office. Having said that, the question is, but is it advisable? especially today, right? Because Apostle Paul tells us everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is constructive. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. So Apostle Paul tells us when it comes to our walk in the faith, there are many things that are permissible, but just because it is permissible doesn't mean it's beneficial. This is why when it comes to can a son of God, a daughter of God, can a child, a servant of God, can they participate in politics? Can they become candidates for politics? When we look back at the history of the people of God, there were influential people like Daniel, Zerubbabel, Nehemiah, right? And they influenced the flow, I mean, the course of history helped by Yahuwah Abba. So God placed them there for the purpose of Yahuwah organizing the, the, uh, the things that were to come for the people of Israel. And so it's possible, right? Maybe it's Yahuwah's will that maybe some servant of God would be placed in a government position. And so we will not rule out the possibility that we as servants of God can participate in a candidate, but we have to be careful because when we participate in politics, we need to make sure that we are able to follow the will of God at the same time. For example, if you're going to be a candidate, what are you going to do? What are you going to do as a candidate? You're going to promote self. And at the same time, you're going to what? What are you going to do with the other candidates? You're going to put them down, right? I mean, let's be real. If you're going to be a candidate and you're going to go campaign door to door, what are you going to do? You're going to promote self and you're going to discredit others, right? But look what Apostle Paul says. Nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. If you're running as a candidate, you're basically making yourself look good 
and at the same time making others look bad. <laughs> you see that? And so how can we fulfill this command? If you could, good for you, right? Because this is what we ought to follow. So if you're a candidate, find a way to run as a candidate, find a way to campaign, but you're not putting people down. You're not, you're not making people look evil and look, um, you're not casting their character down, okay? That's not the will of Yahuwah Abba. What also must we consider? First Peter 2, 13 and 17, for the Lord's sake, respect all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. It is God's will that, you, that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone and love your Christian brothers and sisters. Fear God and respect the king. So what also must we take into consideration if we decide to run as a candidate? We have to live honorable lives. And who are the, why are we to live honorable lives so that people will not accuse us of anything? And it would be wrong if we, for example, were running as a candidate, we're accusing others of doing wrong things, right? Remember what Yahusha said? Do not judge. Do not complain about the speck of the other person's eye. Look first at your own eye. And so this is basically what Apostle Peter is saying. You know, if we live honorable, an honorable life, instead of accusing people, we should respect everyone. We should not use our freedom as an excuse to do evil, respect everyone, and love, especially our Christian brothers and sisters. And there's a, another danger when it comes to getting involved in politics today. You know what the danger is? This is what Yahusha says. This is why it may not always be beneficial. I would not recommend anyone running for office. And one big reason why is what Yahusha says here in Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. When it comes to politics, unfortunately, especially during these last days but you know it's always been like this ever since the first form of government was established there's all government and people campaigning to have a position in power it's always been mired with corruption murder sex right all of the temptation if you want to go if you want to experience the temptations, all of the possible temptations that a man can experience, go run for office, right? You're gonna be tempted by money, tempted by power, tempted by women. You're gonna be tempted. And what did Yahushua say? Watch. Why does he tell us to watch? So that if we know it's a place of temptation, what should we do? Run the other direction. And so why are we going to place ourselves in a place of temptation when we don't have to, right? We don't have to. This is why it's, I really do not recommend people running for office, but if Yahuwah calls you to, to do that, that's between you and the Father. I'm not here to tell you what to do, okay? 
I'm here to tell you, the Bible says, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. I mean, even during the days of old, I mean, even Nehemiah, when he was appointed governor, you know what he said? In Nehemiah, for the entire 12 years that I was governor of Judah, from the 20th year to the 32nd year of the reign of Artaxerxes, neither I nor my officials drew on our official food allowance. The former governors, in contrast, had laid heavy burdens on the people, demanding a daily ration of food and wine besides 40 pieces of silver. Even the resistance took advantage of the people. But because I feared God, I did not act that way. I mean, you read the scriptures. The people who were guilty of oppression and atrocities against their fellow human beings were people who were in government. This is why we need to avoid that temptation. Okay, so that's question number two. Let's go to question number three. Recently, the leader of the church allowed a church member to join or to run as a candidate. What does the Bible say about it? I only know that before it was being taught to us, Babylon, who committed adultery with the kings of the earth in Revelation chapter 17. But now it's not being taught. Okay, so uh, the question is, the church, I'm assuming the church as a whole, right? The church as an organization, which is different from an individual. Okay, if it's the church as an organization participating in government, is that something the Bible endorses? I say no. And Revelation chapter 17 is actually a good passage to support that. In the book of Revelation 17, 1 to 2, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. And so the Bible speaks of this great prostitute, which sits on many waters, which is Mystery Babylon, a religious entity. And behind it is the power of Satan, right? And so we know that this great prostitute committed adultery with kings. What does that mean? It means there was an alliance formed between a religion and the government leaders. And so the Bible speaking about the danger of alliances made between a religion and government. Because when those two uh, are married together, when they commit fornication, when they commit adultery, when they form an alliance, that is what is being depicted here when it says the kings of the earth commits adultery with the prostitute. It's a religious organization having an alliance with a government because this happened before. And when it happened, it did not produce good results. When did this happen before? From this book, Modern World, Papacy and Empire. So we have Papacy, that's the religious organization of the Catholic Church. And the empire, right, that's the king and the kingdom, were to stand side by side, each supreme in its own sphere, the emperor being ever ready to support with physical force the spiritual government of the Pope and to defend all the interests of the church of God on earth. And so was there a time in history where the church as an organization had an alliance with the government? Yeah, during the days of the Catholic church when they were rising to power because the papacy and the empire stood side by side. They supported each other. 
And so the papacy su supported uh, the emperor and the emperor supported the Catholic church or the papacy. And what was the result of this union? Many were slaughtered. This is why we have this inquisition. History records the slaughtering of people who did not believe in Catholic dogma. And because they were backed up by the government supporting them, they used the power of the government to set up their own tribunal and to kill these people who did not believe in the Catholic faith. And so we know this union will bring nothing good. It will only lead to wickedness and violence. This is why we need to avoid it. So how can a religious organization be in alliance with the government? Is that still in play today? So how can a religious organization be in alliance with the government? One way is by block voting, right? Because think about it. If the religious organization is claiming power, that they can vote people into office, what does that mean? Well, you're going to make an alliance with the candidate you're going to vote. So you're going to speak first to that candidate. Okay, we will vote for you. We have a lot of members. We will vote for you. But when you're up there, this is what you're going to do for us, right? And so what do you call that? An alliance, right? So block voting, a religious organization that engages in block voting supporting candidate, well, that's uh, one way of forming an alliance. What else? Well, when the religious leader, if you have like a church organization and the leader, the top leader has a position in government, oh, come on. That's also an alliance between a religious organization and government. What else? When a member of a religious organization is placed in office to carry out the wishes of the religion. So they're going to select someone who's a member of that religion. Hey, we're going to vote for you. We're going to support you. But this is what you need to do. Right. And so what do you have there again? You have an alliance with between religious organization and the government. Now, but brother, doesn't the Bible speak about unity? Shouldn't the, the church be united when it comes to block voting? We'll talk about that in our next episode of the BQA. OK, block voting and church unity. What does the Bible really say? So we'll talk about that next week in our next episode of the BQA. But we know nothing good results. When you have union between a religious organization and the government, because in Revelation 17, 1 to 2 and 4, one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, come, I will show you the punishment of the great prostitute, a religious organization who sits on many waters. She, she's very influential. It's a worldwide church. With her, the kings of the earth committed adultery and the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. What's the result? The result is, verse 4, the woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones, and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand, filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. You see, when a religion gets involved with a government, the government and the religion together will result in filth. Okay, it will result in abominable things. This is the warning of Revelation and the warning also of Isaiah. Look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 1, 21 to 23. See how the faithful city has become a harlot because of its union with government leaders. She once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers 
Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, companions of thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. So that's the result, the sad result when you play a harlot, when the religious organization commits fornication with government leaders, when there's alliances made between the church and the state. That's a recipe for oppression, for wickedness, and all kinds of evil. So we should keep away uh, from that, okay? All right, let's go to our final question. I have a question, uh, Kaja. Nowadays, election of politics is a very hot topic, especially in the Philippines. And we see people engaging in arguments in defense of their preferred candidates. We know that we have our freedom to choose deserving, a deserving candidate, but up to, up to what extent should we express our freedom? That's very true. If you want to get into an argument, talk about politics, right? It's a sure way. I mean, it's, it's a sure way. I mean, a sure way to create argument. And so what is the teaching of the Holy Scriptures when it comes to expressing our freedom, right? What are the limits to our freedom? And so Apostle Paul, again, I read this earlier, we are allowed to do anything, so they say. That is true, but not everything is good. We are allowed to do anything, but not everything is helpful. None of you should be looking out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. So when we talk about politics and you know the other person that you're engaging a conversation with doesn't have, doesn't share your viewpoint, we have to remember this passage. You know what this passage is about? When you look at verse 24, and I love verse 24. None of you should be looking out for your own interests but for the interests of others. You see, when a person has a political view or even a religious view, it's very polarizing. What does that mean? It means you will believe that your point of view, right, is the, is the only thing that's right. And the other, you won't even consider the other person's point of view. But Apostle Paul, when you look at his writings, he's always telling us, in fact, if you read Corinthians 9, he tells us um, to look at the other person's point of view. This is what Apostle Paul is telling us here. Look and be interested in the other person's point of view. So let's say that you are endorsing a particular candidate, let's say Pacquiao, because I like his skills in the ring, right? And so you're endorsing Pacquiao, you're saying this and this and this, he's a Christian, he's, you know, so you have your own idea. If you have your own political candidate and you think he's going to do well, in office, and another person is thinking of someone else, right? Apostle Paul says, when we are engaged in conversation with that person, also looking to his interests, try to understand his point of view. This is how we avoid, avoid arguments, because sometimes we're so stuck with our own opinion that we cannot see the opinion of others. Well, what if this person is persistent about his opinion? And it's against your opinion. What do we do as people of God? 2 Timothy 2, 23 to 24. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. And so, you know, you're having a conversation. 
right? You're trying to learn and understand his point of view. And you're trying to share your point of view, but it's leading to an argument. The Bible says, don't get involved. <laughs> Just stop the argument. Talk about something else. Talk about basketball. Well, if that also, sometimes that also leads to an argument, right? Talk about something else. Talk about food, maybe, right? But if it's starting an argument, you have to stop it because you don't want that your love for each other is going to be tarnished just because of politics, right? I mean, does it really matter who's going to be sitting in that position of government? Do you really think they're gonna make much of a difference? Probably not, right? I mean, the, the one who's gonna make the biggest difference is when the true king sits on the throne and that's Yahushua. And so is it worth give, fighting against us, another person, a brother or sister, just to push your idea, your opinion? It's probably not worth it. And, you know, Apostle Paul also tells us in Titus 3, 1 to 2, remind your people to submit to rulers and authorities, to obey them and to be ready to do good in every way. Tell them not to speak evil of anyone, but to be peaceful and friendly and always to show a gentle attitude toward everyone. No, we're not telling you. I mean, if you are endorsing a candidate and you really like this person and you're expressing your opinion, maybe on Facebook, fine. We're not going to stop you, right? Even though personally, I wouldn't do it because I know it's only going to be polarizing. But if you really want to make your opinion be seen, we have to be gentle, peaceful, friendly, right? The one thing we should not do is when we're presenting our opinion at the same time, we're condescending. We're putting down other people, right? We're putting down other candidates because that's not the way a servant of God speaks. We don't put other people down. Apostle Paul says, uh, do not speak evil of anyone, anyone. And this is in context of not just the brethren in the faith, but everyone have a gentle attitude toward everyone. And so if we are engaging in debate, we have to be very careful to catch what we say and what we type on Facebook or whatever, because it could come across as very offending. And that's not what we want to do. And when should we especially be more careful when it comes to what we say, what we do? Romans 14, verse 1. Welcome Welcome those who are weak in faith, but do not argue with them about their personal opinions. And so we belong in one faith. We need to be concerned about how what we say and what we do affects the other person, okay? Especially in that context. And so Apostle Paul says in 10 12, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. And so if we're not careful with our speech, if we're not careful with our actions, if we will insist our own opinion, right, what would eventually happen? We might end up setting a stumbling block before our brother or sister, and they will fall. Do we want to do that? Just because of a candidate who wants to become president or mayor or whatever? It's not worth it. 
because that's nothing. What we need to do is strengthen our brother and our sister, right? Not place a stumbling block before them. We need to strengthen their faith. Do not let personal opinions destroy the faith that we have because all of us are going to stand in the judgment seat of God and remember what Yahusha said. We will be held accountable for every careless word that comes out from our mouth. This is why we need to be careful what we say and what we do. Okay. And also in that question, uh, what are biblical guidelines that we need to follow to be mindful of in endorsing such candidates? Because I also believe that just like some religious leaders, uh, these government leaders can also lead us to idolatry if we will not be mindful of ourselves. That's very true, right? Sometimes we're so identified. We identify ourselves so much with a candidate that, you know, when someone kind of uh, says something negative about that candidate, it affects you so bad, right? And you want to retaliate. Uh, we have to be careful because we might fall into what the person asking the question um, says, we might fall into idolatry. We might venerate the candidate so much that we are already guilty of idolatry. And so to prevent that, what does the Bible say? In Jeremiah 17, five to six, this is what Yahuwah says, cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from Yahuwah. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an in uninhabited salty land. The Bible warns us that we must not put our trust in mere humans. Sometimes people who endorse a candidate by looking at what they say, they're already like, you know, they're like uh, placing their trust in them. Like when they are put in office, that will be already the, the, uh, the solution to all of our problems, right? When has that ever happened? When was it that when someone who was voted into office sits in office, and begins to run the government, when was such a time that such a person was able to radically change the nation? <laughs> you know, Bible says, do not place your trust in mere humans. Do not rely on human strength. Yes, we can give our personal opinion. We need to influence the flow of in the best way that we can, right? Become light and salt by shedding some wisdom so that people who are creating laws and making policies, they understand the word of God, the wisdom behind the word of God so that they can factor that into policy making. It's good that we do that. But at the same time, we have to understand these people are not going to do anything. Really. We're not living for this world. Yes, we do our best to live peaceably, to prosper, just like what Yahuwah said when they were in Babylon. But at the same time, our priority is the kingdom of God. That's the priority. And so we should not place our hope in humans. We can vote for them. But, you know, if we're campaigning for them, let us be careful not to place our trust in them. With whom should we place our trust in? 
Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8. But blessed are those who trust in Yahuwah and have made Yahuwah their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. And so according to Jeremiah, and so placing a trust in humans, in our political candidates, in our presidents, in our kings, we should place our trust in who? Yahuwah, right? Not human beings. And so when we are endorsing a candidate and you know, when we're practicing our freedom to do that, our freedom of speech, what should we also not do? Let's read one more passage before we pray. This is what Yahuwah says, don't let the wise boast in their wisdom or the powerful boast in their power or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me and understand that I am Yahuwah who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these things, I Yahuwah have spoken. Yahuwah is warning us about boasting, whether of ourselves or someone else. This is why when we are campaigning, for example, to endorse one candidate, we may be destroying the character of the other candidate, right? And then we're propping up the candidate that we choose. And sometimes we might be in danger of boasting about them, about their accomplishments, about their power, about their wisdom. The Bible says if you're going to boast, boast that you know who? Yahweh, right? And so let us do our best uh, not to be caught in that trap. The politics sets up getting entrenched in all of the trappings of endorsing a political candidate, the temptation to boast other accomplishments, the temptation to place your trust and hope in them and to identify yourselves with them. We identify ourselves not with any candidate. We identify ourselves with Yahusha because we are the body of Yahusha. He's our king. We do not serve two masters. Yahusha is our king and Yahuwah is our Abba. Okay, let us all brothers and sisters, let us stand and we shall pray. Almighty and loving Father in heaven, thank you, gracious Yahuwah, for all of your blessings, for all that you do for your people. Thank you for giving us guidelines so that we can properly fulfill our responsibilities as good citizens of our country. Help us to practice love. And also help us to practice wisdom. Teach us to place our hope only in you. And may you please help us to be mindful of our speech. That we do not end up slandering or speaking evil of anyone. Rather, we will use our speech for good. And we will be full of peace, be friendly and gentle in all of our ways. Help us to do our best. That we can be instruments to strengthen the faith of others. Yes. Loving Mashiach Yahusha, yes. we place our hope and trust in you as well. Yes. For you are the king to come yes. and you will sit on your throne yes. and we will be your servants forever. Amen. And so we place our hope and trust in you. Yes. We long for that day when you will descend from heaven yes. so that we can be with you forevermore. Amen. Father, please bless your people. 
bless also the government leaders, that they will make good decisions, that will lead to peace, that we can always practice our religion to worship you in spirit and truth. We believe, Father, that you have listened to our prayers. We ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahusha HaMashiach. Amen.